Hi all, I'm Cullen Haynes and welcome to Law Live. My next guest is a serial entrepreneur in every sense of the word, three law firms and counting um, with a background in um, digital marketing and has been um, in the legal fraternity for the last 12 years um, and founder of Movement Legal. Would you please make very welcome Mr. Ezra Sarajinsky. How are you, Ezra? And great <laughs> to have you on the show, mon ami. Hey, Colin. Good to be here. Mate, it's very an absolute well. pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. And I would recommend that people, this is very rare to get you on one of these streams. If anyone has any questions, it's now 3.59, almost 4 o'clock in uh, Sydney, Australia, Eastern Standard Time. Can you please put them in the comments, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and we'd be happy to answer them. And if there's anything more personal, I'm sure... Um, that you'd welcome a cheeky DM on the LinkedIn there, Ezra, no doubt. Bring it on. Bring it on. But, mate, first question, um, what is happening in your circle of influence right now? Um, I'm really trying to uh, push out a new law firm. I'm sort of speaking to people I know and people I can know. I'm always looking for entrepreneurial-type lawyers. whether it's joining forces or just spitting out ideas. Very good. Uh, that's would you prefer would my... technically, com- technically competent <laughs> or would, would more, more sales-based, would you say? To be honest, more sales-based, um, which is not, the, not because I disregard the technical competencies required, but I always feel that you've got to start with sales and once you can bring clients in, then you quickly need the technical expertise but again it it all starts with sales that's the first domino that's the domino first it all starts with sales and just to shout out kayla curtis one of your own is just saying hi guys big smiley face and thank you kayla for looping us together with ezra to get him on the show um this is a, a quite a favorite of mine this question we used to ask it in the lhl story series way back but if you could explain your life using film titles or multiple film titles how would you do that, Ezra? Film titles, eh? Um, yes. Well, I think one would have to be Rocky. <laughs> I am a child of the <laughs> of the eighties and nineties. Yeah, Rocky Balboa is a bit of a hero. Um, you know, there's an aspect of my life whereby I'm always a fighter. Um, another film might be Labyrinth. <laughs> you know, I feel, I feel like, like life is a maze and and it's a journey and there's magic to be uncovered. So, I, yeah, I guess there's a part of my ego that sees myself as David Bowie in Labyrinth. Uh, and and um, Sylvester Stallone, Sly, <laughs> no Adrian. You no, know no, no. Actually, I, I see myself as Drago, who was the, who was the Russian fighter in, in, <laughs> oh. in Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my um, colleagues and lawyers loves that movie, Rocky IV. I, I personally think it's one of my favorites and, and, and very um, underrated, I would say. The, the other movie I, I would have to sort of reference is Ghostbusters because I, I feel that, um, you know, business and law, it's like a series of problems and these problems are like ghosts. We're sort of chasing these ghosts and there's just a list of, que- never-ending list of questions and problems that come up and we've got to do our best to... <laughs> to solve these, it. To solve it. Get these ghosts, and I'm just uh, thinking, scared. who are you going to call? Movement Legal. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very good answers. So we've got Rocky, 
Labyrinth and Ghostbusters. I don't think we're going to hear them anywhere else. Let me tell you. Well done, Ezra. I like that. Um, what are the different areas of law um, that um, each of your three firms focuses on? Um, and, and what are the names? I'd love to delve into what you're sure. doing because most firms only start one, but you've got three of them. Yeah, well, my journey really started about 12 years ago when a friend and I said, hey, let's, let's start a migration law firm. That, that ended up being the first fir- form, um, firm, sorry, which is, uh, that's Pocket Legal. And Pocket Legal is exclusively focused on migration law. The majority of what we do are visa applications for people. Um, but there's sort of other work that comes up. So things like uh, appealing a decision through the Administrative Appeals Tribunal or further into the court system. Uh, another thing we do is provide letters of advice sometimes to other law firms. So recently we've started partnering with personal injury firms and just writing a, right. a very detailed sort of letter of advice showing, you know, this person's injury had effects with regards to their ability to live in Australia. But 95% of what we do is visa applications. About half of those are corporate migration matters. So working with companies to help them bring staff into Australia or stabilise, you know, workers they might have that have come from other countries. And then the other half, I guess you could call that like personal migration. So things like partner visas, independent visas. So day in, day out, we're dealing with most, you know, most of our clients are actually in Australia. A lot of people assume that because we're in migration law that they're overseas trying to come into Australia. 95% 95% of our clients are in Australia. They're just trying to regulate their stay or move up in the visa sort of hierarchy. So I started Pocket Legal with, with my co-founder there about a decade ago. Uh, we slowly got that up, off the ground. In the course of that, we, you know, there's a, there a lot of learnings, how, how to run a law firm, how to do marketing, how to do sales. You know, how, how, how do you get someone in and get them as a client? Um, How do you do that, Ezra? (laughs) Well, look, there's a few ways, but the main way I have focused on with all my firms is online marketing. So I sort of use SEO and I use social media. And it's, it's really about just providing information about this area of law and the questions people have and how you can solve their problem. You know, they're, they're, their problem is not, for, the way they experience their issue is not as an academic legal question. It's a more sort of fundamental question of how, basically how do I live in Australia? How do I regulate my stay using these visas as, as stepping stones? So we try to provide answers to that. And in the course of doing so, we sort of present our way of thinking, you know, our, our holistic approach to answering a legal issue. No, I'm endeared by what you're saying. And it's, um, I was having this conversation with someone earlier today. Um, you know, we as brokers, um, it, finance is not sexy, but people want a home, not a loan. Um, when you go into Bunnings, people aren't buying the drill. They're buying the hole so they can actually hang their, um, you know, wallpaper. Like I think we get detached and we go so granular into what we do that we sell the features. Um, we should actually be promoting what are the benefits or the outcomes of what we do and what you're talking about on SEO. 
<coughs> is um is actually talking about that. Don't sell the steak, sell the sizzle. Um, and I know hundred hundred percent. And I think a lot of yeah. lawyers, and you know, you'd probably you might find the same thing in the in the finance space, but lawyers understand how how they approach a solution and also what they see the problem as being. The way they identify the problem is very sort of technical and very hard to explain to somebody who's going through that actual issue and have them relate to a deep technical understanding of that issue from a, a legal or financial perspective. So you have to like, you have to open your aperture a bit and you have to step back and understand it from that lay person's perspective and then be able to, you have, but at the same time, you have to demonstrate you have that technical understanding such that you're going to get it across the line. Um, Makes sense. People, people are looking to lawyers for that, as well as you know the financial professionals. Um, they know that they don't know that technical information, they, but they need reassurance that you know it. <laughs> well, that's what the whole point is, right? And on that note of technical knowledge, what's the um, common thread um, technical um, link between all all three of your firms? Okay, so I started with Pocket Legal. The next firm I started was called Open Legal. That was about five years ago. So Open Legal was in a different space. It was in the commercial law space. Basically, um, I guess you could say business law or commercial law for startups, for SMEs. 90% is probably contracts, but, you know, there's also employment law, intellectual property, uh, commercial leases, a relatively wide array. And then the third firm I've started is called Movement Legal. The common denominator with all of them isn't necessarily... A technical area because they're all dealing with different practice areas of law. Um, but the common denominator is really sort of approaching it from a point of view of trying to make it simple for clients, trying to make it understandable, appealing, easy to understand from both a, you know, I guess you could say a legal point of view, but also from a client relationship point of yes. view. So we want to just yes. quickly demonstrate we understand your issue, we can help you, click here and let's go. <laughs> and Kayla's attesting that it is a constant juggle with those three firms all at once, my goodness. Um, in terms of pocket legal, obviously you specialise in migration law. Um, what, do you, what kind of work do people actually reach out to you to do basically? Is it just visas? What, what else do people um, reach out to you? What matters come across your desk? Honestly, visas is 99% of it, but within visas, you know, visas is, is a whole world. So there's all different types of visas. People will contact us. You know, they might come here for, they might come on a work holiday visa or just a holiday and they want to know, look, how, how can I stay here? Or <laughs> I've just been offered a job by an Australian company. What would I have to do? You know, can I use that employment as a way to like sponsor me on a work visa? Um, so if, if any lawyers here haven't touched migration law, it might, you know, these might be issues that they've never come across, but you know, that, that's, that's our space. That's what we live you and become breathe. Very, you, know? you become, you live and breathe it. You become very worldly, pun intended, doing migration <laughs> law, would you say? We do. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. The different countries that we've, you know, people from all these different countries that we've helped, um, got contacts around the world when I, when I need to go traveling and have a place to crash. This, this industry has served me well for that. 
Oh, how cool is that? Maruchi-san, I'm coming to Japan. <laughs> Get some sake ready and a, and a, and a bed. I'm, I'm coming. That'd be awesome to have those connections. Um, what I would also say is um, on the lending space, like visas are quite interesting that um, uh, many people think that if they do have a visa, you can't get lending. Um, that's not actually the case. Um, if you're in a de facto relationship and you are on a visa, um, it, as long as that other person's on there, usually we can get that over the line. It is, so it's, it's, it's an interesting space with lending because yeah. the banks don't like um, we, non-permanent residents. They, they see right. it a bit risky, but other banks actually have it, um, their heads clued in and make it, make it possible. We have that question come up, you know, people who are, who are permanent residents and are looking for home loans, they do get very itchy that they want to, you know, step, get to that next level of becoming permanent residents in order to get that home loan. So it is something that touches us. Mm, mm. The, other, the other thing uh, that comes up is um, we do, we have a lot of investors. So there's a scheme where people who can run a business in Australia or invest capital into it, they, they can use that as the basis of a personal investor visa. Interesting. And so you also get issues there with loans and their visa status and permanent residency status. Mm, mm. And the laws are always changing from my understanding. Um, we had a um, one of my colleagues in Broking was trying to hire someone and the laws changed around finance broking that that was one something that could 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 be um, allowed to to have them stay in the country on a visa. How often do these laws change? And um, you obviously have to be across it. Yeah, it's a very good point. The, um, it's a very sort of political area. So migration is very much prone to big sways in public opinion that, yes. that, that go through and that uh, become huge media issues. So it might be a swing towards, you know, migrants are sort of taking our jobs. We've got to sort of clo- close, close the door a little bit. Shut then the it's gonna, yeah, it happens. It's, it's sort of like every few years. Then we'll swing to the other side of, yes, we need mig- migrants. They need to boost our economy. Um, it, we need agricultural uh, fruit pickers. Um, it sways a lot. So at the moment, we're going through a swing where it's very, it seems to be very like pro-migration. The government wants to bring in workers. They want to bring in people to help fill jobs, get the economy moving get the agricultural space happening. And then um, you've got the other side, which is very xenophobic. <laughs> and let's yeah, not let so anyone in. That, that might be three years down the track. But what I have oh. found is that these kind, you see these big swings in the media there's, and it results in a lot of political pressure. But at the same time, the mi- migration just is a constant sort of thing that does exist. You know, it never gets turned completely off. There's just these sort of ups and downs that, that sort of circulate through the system. And obviously, if you ask a surgeon, they're going to want to do surgery. If you ask um, someone who is a pharmacist, they're going to want to sell you pills. Do you think migration is a good thing for the country as a general rule? Yes. I, I personally think it is a very good thing. I think it um, it's definitely boosts the economy. I think that it results in Australia having a constant sort of influx of new people and fresh energy. Yes. I think as long as you can bring the right people in and maintain basically political stability and social stability, that it's, it's, it's good for Australia. I, I, I've come to the view that Australia's migration program is, is pretty solid. It's, I think it's really well thought out. I think the government does a yeah. good job in just determining, you know, what are the skill sets 
that we want to attract into Australia. And it's almost like, a, you know, we're sort of at the, we're sort of managing a brain drain on the rest of the world where we're just saying, you know, we want the, the best and the brightest. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard about the brain drain, but what I've also heard about is the brain drain <laughs> where um, people are actually leaving Australia to go else overseas because they can earn more. Um, I know a lot of my legal friends like to go to London and, and New York for instance, because the pay is significantly better. What out, out, Outgoings, what do you see that? Do you see that as a, a bit of an issue or risk or do you think well, people will always want to work in Australia? I think it's just natural attrition and I've personally, I've felt those pulls to, to New York or to other cities. Uh, I don't think they should be held back. You know, as long no. as Australia is bringing new people in, uh, it's going to balance out. But look, they, those people who go out and work with, in other places in the world, they are still deeply connected to Australia. You know, every single one of them is is like a, is like a, a you know, they're repping Australia. Yeah, of course they are. Absolutely, yeah, the accent gives eventually. them away. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, and on the note of global changes and, and the world, COVID, the Australian borders were practically closed um, with no people coming to the country in or out how did that affect not only the migration industry, how did it affect Pocket Legal um, and were your clients badly affected? Yeah, it, it was a very chaotic time. Uh, it definitely affected the firm. It affected the whole migration sort of industry. Uh, with borders closed, it meant obviously no people are coming in. It meant there was almost like a siege mentality within Australia in terms <laughs> of... Um, how people wanted to deal with visas. You know, every, everyone was looking at just one day at a time. So normally in migration, we're looking years ahead. Let's get you this visa. It's going to last for two years. Then we'll put you onto this visa. And then after three years, you can apply for the, you know, the, the gold medallion permanent residency visa at the end of that massive sort of timeline. But with COVID, it brought in some very short-term thinking. Um, so, yeah, we, we were definitely massively affected. Um, at the beginning, I personally freaked out. I thought that the, the firm would go under. You know, our, our revenues dropped massively. But over time, we basically pulled through. I mean, we didn't even have to let anyone go from, from the team. Um, we Revenues were, were impacted for a long period of time, but we somehow just pulled through. There was, like, bits of work and there were enough people who were trying to basically sort of like regulate their stay despite the, the political and epidemic sort of chaos that, that was going on. Yeah, it was a tough time. We've now come out yeah. and we're now just, yeah, it's like peak season for us. So we're doing pretty oh, well. Oh, which is good. And um, I know investors are happy because all the students are coming back. Um, yeah. So they can obviously drive their rents up and whatnot is what I'm seeing anecdotally. Do you think... The fact that you had three law firms at once helped you um, or, you know, um, having multiple firms helps you when um, maybe one sector of law, you know, drops. Um, it's good to have another one to, to keep on going. Um, love to know your thoughts from an entrepreneur mindset. Yeah, I, I don't really look at it that way in terms of, you know, like one, one law firm's going down, but they all kind of somehow balance themselves out for me. It's, it's more that... Every firm goes through its own challenges. So COVID was definitely a challenging time for Pocket Legal, being in that migration space. Um, I was a little bit resigned to it 
in in the sense of I just thought this is just a political worldly moment that's that's occurring and it's going to eventually sort of figure itself out. I have no idea about the timeline for that. I don't know if this is going to be one year, two years, five years, but at some point the world has to enter a new stage of normal. So I, yeah. I was a little bit, I was a little bit Zen about it somehow. There, there were definitely moments of panic, but I had a feeling that there was no choice, but for the world to somehow return to normal at some point. So well, yeah, we'll, we'll each firm is going to, yeah. I mean, I, really, I didn't think we've fully come back to normal, but it's sort of like each firm will go through its own moments of, of peaks and troughs. Um, I don't really take a view of them balancing them out. I, I deal with just one firm at a time and whatever its issues are and how I can best address those issues yeah. at that moment. Yeah. And obviously um, we'll get to family law in a moment, but especially migration law, we've talked about the changes. It's not for everyone because it sounds like there's massive swings that we talked about um, and it is the subject of politicians making the changes in law what is it like working in a profession where it is dictated by, um, you know, one thing is hot and then it's not, and it's all based on the agenda of the government that's in power at that time? What is that like? It's, it's a, okay, when I, when I first got into it, I found it very kind of disarming and, and very, very sort of shocking the way that these kind of media um, Maybe kind of like saturation points would affect our industry. So yes, I don't know if you remember this or if you know what this means to the average person out there. But there was a massive change. Like prior to COVID, the biggest change was was the uh, the eradication of the four five seven visa. Yes, that was uh, under Malcolm Turnbull's government. So there was a lot of fuss around that four five seven and the impact it was having. One day he just decided we're getting rid of that visa. That visa was probably 75% of the work our firm does. Yes. But then I mm. just noticed that, okay, they get rid of this visa, then they just bring out another visa. Yeah, you know, another visa. <laughs> it's pretty much, pretty much the same. And the whole industry just learns the ins and outs of this visa. And you're sort of just back on track. I love that. I love that. It's one of the um, the laws of power by my favorite book, Robert Greene. Shafalika, actually, uh, one of my Good guests book. previously, Peter's um, loves this book too. And one of the laws is, um, you know, make changes, but keep it rooted in the same traditions. Like if you're going to make drastic changes, um, most people make mistakes and not making it linked to the past. Um, if you want to make something stick, kind of make it um, link and make people feel like it's familiar. You'll mm. get a long, long way in this life if you do that because people yep. don't like change too much. Keep it the same and you'll genuinely be okay. Change is the only constant. That is the only constant. I said that to my team today, actually. It's a great quote. Um, but tell us more about uh, Movement Legal, my, my, my good man, um, your latest firm. Yeah, so Movement Legal, what I'm trying to do is take everything that I've learned from the other firms and implement it there. So... Those things are, you know, having a, a an internal culture that's modern and that's, you know, that, that's warm and friendly, um, using project management to deal with every legal matter that comes that comes through the firm, 
you know, it's everything's got to be like tight. Client communication's got to be really tight. Um, Good. The way we respond to either like new inquiries, but also in questions from existing clients, it's got to be fast. It's got to be tight. Um, almost being a virtual firm from day one. Everything we've done has been digital in all, in all three firms. Digital. Um, so it's really about bringing that into the family law space. So movement legal is concerned with family law and it's yes. about bringing those learnings and being like a modern online, like virtual project managed firm into that family law space. So that's, that's, is, that's what I'm doing here. And, and you're, you're certainly making an impact. And I remember when we were having a coffee at Bean Bar a couple of weeks ago, you said something that resonated with me. Um, most commercial lawyers, and I have many commercial lawyer clients and friends um, who are doing very well, but they don't understand because they've never really had to be in family law. They think family law is wills and estates and, um, you know, you go and get something um, changed. You, you said something that family law is actually more often than not breaking up the family law. Um, and, and it's quite deep, it's quite raw, it's quite emotional, and it's real. I'd like to delve into that a little bit more in terms of what is family law to you and what do you see day to day? Yeah, so family, it's, it's, I don't know who gave it this name, family law, but that's right. It's about families breaking up. It's very yes. emotional. It's very, um, it's very raw. It's, it's people have been in a relationship and have separated so you know, legally that relationship is emerging. Obviously it's an emerging of their hearts and emotions, but it's also emerging of, of assets and, 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 and debts as well. Um, so family law is really about like pulling that, that structure apart and you can't pull that structure apart without deep, like the emotions at the heart of that relationship coming into play and being triggered and there's very rarely a very neat separation. No. How do you deal with those high emotions and um, becoming the accidental counsellor in some cases? Like what do you do to deal with the stress on both yourself and the client? It, it's a really tricky area. You have to step around this with a lot of sensitivity um, but at the same time, as lawyers, we kind of put on our clinician gloves and work out a way to um, sort of, without ignoring them, to some extent, we have to sort of neutralize those emotional issues. Yeah. So we do want to show our clients that we have genuine empathy for their situation and the pain they're going through at the end of this relationship and all the conflict that this, that can be brought up but we also have to find a way to like move beyond that and separate the legal issues at, at, at hand which is basically the family home and shared assets shared um shared debts and liabilities and, and, and try to get them focused on like moving moving beyond the relationship and the conflict yes yes it, it is really difficult because we sort of end up becoming this one party who really understands their issue in detail. So they might have, you know, a therapist, they might have a best friend, but then they've also somehow this lawyer comes into it who has heard the story from beginning to end, does, can relate to it, you know, just based on like all the work that we do and all the situations that we manage. Um, 
So we do build up some genuine sort of empathy and sympathy with the client, but we also have to be careful not to get pulled too far into it and to make that client feel that we're sort of like a therapist or a psychologist. It's a really or fueling the fire. Yeah. Or fueling yeah, we the don't fire. Want to fuel no, the fire. No. No, and um, Hayda Shikara, another legend in the family law space, justice family lawyer, said this too. Um, he actually calls out the other party when they, it looks like they're, um, they're maybe pouring the, the kerosene on the fire, just like, hey, don't get personal. We just want to get to a great matter. Like it's not like you, the, the role is to, to get to a matter and see through the, um, the emotions and be impartial. And it seems like that's what Movement Legal wants to do, not get in the weeds of the emotion and inflict that on the other side and the other party. Yeah. You're looking to come 100%. to an amicable. Yeah. We, we want to get an outcome. We're not trying to um, sort of get like victory for our clients in, in like, we don't, we try not to conflate the emotional and the legal issues. So we just want to minimize the issues at hand and, and come to a solution. Um, most lawyers, I, in the family law space, I think want to do this as well. Yes. But there are some that do take some, <laughs> some <laughs> enjoyment in the drama and want to represent their client in a way that it, it is a bit sort of, um, is a little bit adversarial. Yeah, definitely. Yes. <laughs> Win at all costs. Um, but Ooh. usually, as someone once told me, um, in the family law space, it's more of a pyrrhic victory more often than not. You don't really win. Um, it's like you kind of lose in a way at the same time. Uh, uh, there's no absolute victory for anyone. You, you've, you've merged your lives and unmerging, there's going to be things you get. There's going to be compromises that you just have to make to move forward in your life. What would you say, um, because there may be people watching who are about to go into this process or thinking of it, COVID certainly taught us that, record number of people obviously getting divorced and separated. Um, what's something that you'd like to impart that you find that people don't find out until they're actually in the process that would benefit people before they actually get to that point? I, I don't think people necessarily realise how financially enmeshed they are with this other person. Um, mm. you might, so I think, I think some people have this idea that there's them, there's their partner, they almost like independent financial and earning entities. And then they do have something shared, which might be that house or I don't know, a, a car or a few assets, but it's actually much more than that. <laughs> Everything's combined. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think a lot of people have really taken that thought process to the end. So your superannuation, it, it's, it's combined. Um, <laughs> okay. Your, your, your debts are combined. See, there might be debts that your partner has that you weren't aware of. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that, that's a, that's there, a could be, there could be gambling <laughs> issues. There could be um, – and I'm not, I, I, I'm not really telling anyone to think differently about this. I, I think that you have to just have that relationship and lean into the merge. Um, but it can it can come as a shock to to people when they're trying to exit from these relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. I think you're making some um, real cogent points there, Ezra. Um, and we're getting deep with this final question, mate. Before we get into some bonus questions, um, obviously 
three law firms, long luminous career in both marketing and law. When all is said and done, and hopefully you live, um, uh, we're talking about 70, 80, 90 years, maybe 100 years if we have um, better technology. But when all is said and done, how would you like to be remembered, my friend? I, I'd be happy to be remembered as, as a legal maverick who <laughs> created environments that allowed people to do their, their life's best work and that um, got amazing outcomes for all our clients that you know, made a difference to their lives. Uh, I think I could live easily knowing that that's, that's the mark I'd, I'd left in this world. Very yeah, touching, and you're already doing that, Ezra. Really appreciate you sharing that, Monome. Cheers. And where can people find you? Where are you hanging out the most? You can look me up on LinkedIn, Ezra Sarajinsky. Hit me up there. Get back to you presently. Well, it's been an absolute ple- pleasure having you on the show there, Ezra. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Thank you. You're a legend. And if you are a legend of law or know someone who is, feel free to get in contact. We come out Wednesdays, every Wednesday, speaking to a legend of law. And then we come out on um, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and give us a five star. And also wanted to talk about um, a little event that we're running along with um, Justice Family Lawyers and Darren Mort, um, who is part of the To Be Loved Network. Um, Cinema for a Cause, To Be Love fundraiser. We're going to be having that at 6 p.m. at um, the Newtown um, Cinema. Uh, please buy a ticket, $55, support a great cause, and see the award-winning screening of Tommy, the short film. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care.